Hi, Joe's. And Joe's, is it pronounced correctly or half correctly? You can pronounce it Jose if you want. Jose? That's mm -hmm. closer to the French pronunciation, but every country has its own way to pronounce my first name. It's a mess. So, yeah, that's fine. Jose? <laughs> Jose is uh, French? Fine. Yeah. Jose is in French, yes. Okay, how are you doing, Jose? I'm fine. Nice Monday morning, rainy. <laughs> rainy? <laughs> Typical November. <laughs> mm -hmm. Okay. Um, just, just fine. Let's see how your memory actually is, how, how well trained oh. your memory is. What was your first computer? My first computer, uh, yeah. which is not the first device I wrote some code on, because the first device I wrote some code on was not a computer. And okay. my first computer, the real first computer I owned was in 1983, and it was called an Auric, Auric 1. Auric the one. So, kind of small computer that you could plug on the TV set. Mm -hmm. And uh, you had like 64 kilobytes of memory on such devices. Mm -hmm. And you could program it either, either in a directly in assembly or uh, there was a basic language, mm -hmm. you say, programming language mm -hmm. uh, integrated on it. So you could write programs in basic also. Is it uh, like a French it, computer? It, 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 what what is Auric? I never heard I don't, I, I'm not sure it was French, actually. I think it was sold in, uh, in other countries also. Maybe not in the US, but in, in Europe. At least in England, I think it was uh, maybe an English machine. This was the day of the, the Sinclair ZX80 and ZX81. So this was the same kind of machine, you see. And I think English people were very good at doing that. So Is it Auric? O-R-E? O-R-I-C. And there were several models of them. Okay. And the one I own was the first one. So what's even more interesting, you wrote some code, not on computers, or what was it? This is a more curious, no? Uh, there was uh, uh, electronic calculators, and you could write code on them. Mm -hmm. Texas Instruments was, exactly. was selling some of them. And I was the, the real first device I wrote some code on was a TI-57. That, mm -hmm. that was a great calculator. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was in 1979, maybe 1980, something like that. It was a few years before I owned this uh, this computer. And why you did it? As my why, why you started to write code on a calculator? So I mean, that, that was exactly only for the for for the for the fun of it because uh, there was nothing you could. I mean, at school we didn't have any 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 courses on that. We didn't use them to do any to anything more than a typical physics calculation where you have. Uh, you know, trigonometry and all this kind of thing to uh, mm -hmm. to compute. So you have this calculator that just helps you. But there was nothing to you. You, you couldn't draw anything on the screen. That was a very. You remember these uh, red uh, mm -hmm. screens with uh, with, with you, you have mm -hmm. numbers were only displayed with several segments. Yeah. You had uh, well all the segments you needed to, to write eight with squared eight. Mm -hmm. <laughs> My grandfather had a watch. Maybe. Which was uh, almost like an Apple Watch. It was black, but if you push a button, you see you know the segments in, yeah. in red. It was incredible. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and I also had a, such a calculator. It was actually beautiful, but I couldn't program on it. I remember it was a very basic one, but there were segments, and you know with big buttons. So it, uh, the physical design was incredible, but it was a dumb one. There was no. So I'm asking because uh, back then. They were games, but I forgot they were like uh, hardwired games to the hardware. So it it was mm -hmm. like you know it was a um, horizontal thing with two buttons, and you can only play one game. It was not a computer, also with you know LCD display. And I also mm -hmm. assumed you know you can 
extended somehow. Or if you play long enough, something will happen, you know, and uh, and nothing happened, of course. So if I had such a calculator, I would also try to do something with it, just you know, to 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 see what you can do with it, because all such electronic things for me were magical devices, right? So I always wanted, you know, yeah. to do something with it, but I had no idea what to do. This was my problem. Yeah, this was. Uh... This was there was you, you this kind of machine actually you could uh, program them using some kind of very basic assembly language, mm -hmm. and you you had they used to be called steps in your programs, which mm -hmm. was basically an instruction, and you had mm -hmm. fifty steps to okay. write your program. So like fifty bytes of memory. And what you what what you did? You remember the program you wrote on the TI? Um, I like to. The, I remember I did a, a program to compute the the decimals of pi, mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. there, there was no um, memory. Well, there was memory on it, but not memory that you that that could live. If you switched on the, the calculator, everything was erased, mm -hmm. right? which mm -hmm. was not the case for other calculators that came after. Mm -hmm. When you switched on, actually switching off the calculator was only switching off the display and all mm -hmm. the programs and the memory that you had in a, in a, in a calculator was still there. It was not the case for the TI-57. So th there was no, no pie in it. See, if, you had, if you wanted to compute, I don't know, the, the surface of a circle, you had to type 3.14 by hand. There was no, no constant mm -hmm. uh, on the calculator. And I, I, I just wrote a little program to compute, the, to compute pi. And I had it running overnight. To have a, to have a precise value of pi, you know there, there is this uh, funny um, funny formula that the, when you if you compute the sum of one divided by the square of n uh, for all the values of n, um, then it uh, uh, the value is uh, the square of pi divided by six. So you can actually mm -hmm. why you knew how you knew that you were a kid back then, right? I assume I was uh, I was in high school when I okay. knew it was uh, I knew it. Okay, so you got uh, and, so you were interested in yeah, math. The, yeah, the, this is this is well, kind of basic math. <laughs> yeah, basic math. Uh, what I have to tell, I, I have a problems actually to you know, to uh, to find the connection between programming and math. Now I mm -hmm. see ev everything is math, but back then for me math was boring and programming was exciting, right? So it was a long time, so yeah. I didn't couldn't find the connection. But it is actually math and programming are very very similar, right? Yeah, the, um, there are many, many things that, that are taken from math in programming, especially with the more and more complex languages that people are using. Um, <clears throat> people are talking about algebraic data types and this kind of thing. So algebra mm -hmm. comes from uh, in a theory that is coming from math, obviously, even if it's not really in algebra, because I, I actually, uh, <clears throat> when you compute things in, in uh, on computers, precisely, uh, all the... All, all the properties that operators have in, in math are lost in, in when you're doing that because of approximations. Mm -hmm. When you when you're using pi, this is not what it's not pi that you have. This is just an approximation of pi, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And that that's that's the case for every kind of number you're using. Mm -hmm. So actually, uh, computing with uh, even with double precision numbers, it's just like computing with integers, but mm -hmm. but with a mapping between both. Mm -hmm. And so you're losing basically all the properties that you have uh, that you have in math. Mm -hmm. I mean, you you probably try to write this small program where you just took zero dot one and you you put it in a loop and you sum it zero mm -hmm. dot one plus zero dot one like ten times and you don't get one in the end you have an approximation of one. 
Yeah, in JavaScript, it's, it's even earlier, right? So in JavaScript, was the problem if you do it just one plus, it 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 it, it didn't work already, I think. Um, yeah, yeah, it doesn't come from Java. It just come from the fact that you use it doubled or floating yeah. point numbers. Zero dot one is just an approximation. Yeah. Zero dot one. So if you mm-hmm. if you if you sum everything up, the error you're making on this operation actually uh, increases up mm-hmm. to a point where you don't have one anymore. This is why we have big decimal, right? Yeah, kind of. <laughs> Very good. So, uh, you, you, the, the, what you did with the real computer? So, we do calculator way already, uh, skilled Pi developer? Yeah, I, 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 ju- I just like to, um, like to tinker with the programming and see what you can do with the, you know, any, any kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like uh, it, it was pretty limited. On the, I mean, I was, I was still in high school, so everything you know about programming is very light at this time plus it was not like you could create some kind of fancy web page with like two lines of javascript it was it was really not like that <laughs> you know having a graphical screen was about being able to draw a point on a i don't know you had like 300 pixels in the width of the mm-hmm. screen the screen and maybe 150 in the height mm-hmm. <laughs> that was it <laughs> This was this was high resolution. <laughs> you are right. I forgot actually the resolution of ZX Spectrum I had. Um, Six hundred forty by four hundred eighty was way later, and this was already high resolution. I think yeah. this was the first PC, and before that it has to be far less than this. Three twenty maybe by something, right? I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This was and it was super slow. I mean, you, uh, drawing a circle on, on such a on such a screen, you could see literally the the circle drawing itself. Like, You're right. And after about one second, the, the circle was wrong. Even with the logo programming language, it was uh, slow because it was slow. Because right now you wouldn't see, you know, the turtle moving, but back then you actually saw that it moves on the screen without any yeah. slipping, right? I think it was the logo programming language. I don't think it was artificially slowed down. It 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 uh, it worked as as fast as it could, right? I I can't remember, but you're probably right because uh, yeah, these were the the, the computer I'm talking to you about was about the time there was no logo support on it, Mm -hmm. but uh, computers uh, supporting logo were just just like this one. Mm -hmm. It it was the same the same um, the same period of time, and it was yeah, it was it was super slow. I mean, drawing this little turtle that could turn and then advance and then turn again exactly. It would take ages to display that. Uh, yeah, exactly. And there were um, there were programs where they draw, you know, like a star, so you could see actually how it draws. It was fast, but it's still you, you could see moving, you know, the turtle on the screen. So um, yeah, I never thought about this. I, I, and now I thought, you know, the first time I recognized that the computer was that slow. As I had the memory, I thought, you know, that it was like a demo mode, so they could show, you know, how it works, a debug mode. But the debug mode was real. So <laughs> okay. <laughs> What, so what happened then with your computer? So you you, you just you know uh, use your computer you know to to um, follow your your math curiosity or what what happened with the computer? So which programs you wrote? What you are interested? What what interests me? Why you did it? So because to be better in math or what what you wrote and why? It's, it's, it, it was really it was really for the fun of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, created uh, like automatons and this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You you could you could you could write. Funny algorithms, like for instance, create a, a maze randomly and mm-hmm. uh, try to to make it random up to a point where 
the maze actually has a solution. That is, you can go from point A to point B, and there's cool. always a path between both. So and backtracking. Once you, once you, uh, yeah, and well, it was <laughs> backtracking. Come on, <laughs> when you have, when you have like forty kilobytes of mm -hmm. memory to write your program, mm -hmm. <laughs> don't think so. <laughs> and then, um, and and then once you have that, try try to uh, to solve the problem and find find the find find your path actually that you created. This is the yes. This this is the kind of thing uh, I, I I was writing. I, I was pretty much in math at the time, mm -hmm. and uh, there were many things in math that were just funny and uh, funny to try on this kind of machine. Just uh, nowadays, uh, computing is. I mean, every, every time you're trying to do something in math, you, there's a computer involved. There's some computation, mm -hmm. the computer involved. Uh, everybody's working like that. But at the time, it was not the case. This was a uh, um, this the, the, this was the time where people had supercomputers. Maybe you remember this, the, these computers like Craze mm -hmm. or Thinking Machine computers, or MassPar, those massively parallel computers, which were pretty powerful, by the way. Uh, and people were just trying to uh, to write code on this to solve, um, not 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 necessarily to solve algorithms, but to solve problems with algorithms that required the uh, Format of computing power mm -hmm. to be solved and to uh, and to if you take the problem of the of the traveling salesman for instance, mm -hmm. which is, which is uh, there's no algorithm to solve this problem uh, mm -hmm. in an optimal way, only uh, random algorithms. But if you if you want to solve it using a random algorithm, you need to have a format of computing power to do that. Of course, now on a PC you just just program it hit the button and after two seconds you have your result. Mm -hmm. And it's a very good result, mm -hmm. but, but uh, back in the days, <laughs> you had like zero point one percent of the computing power that you have nowadays. <laughs> yeah. By the way, I was very fascinated by the cray, and also the fact yeah. that the cray had a seat, you know, where you can sit down, and uh, yeah, it was a beautiful machine. And there was even a story. I don't, I don't know whether it is actually true that they had lava lamps, the crays, to uh, for have random numbers. So later, mm -hmm. so. And uh, what also a story, also don't know whether it is true, that the Sun E10K, it was like a powerful machine from some microsystem, had the backplane of a Cray, because I think Sun had something to do with Cray back then. So this is why I was fascinated by the Sunfires, E10K, and Crays. Hmm. So I, I think that uh, a Sun acquired Cray at some point. Ah, okay. They took the technologies and integrated part of the technology in, the, in their own. The Sun was uh, creating uh, microchips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, back in the days, mm -hmm. Spark T, something exactly. like Spark T three, and this kind of thing. And I think that they they were part of the Cray technology mm -hmm. uh, embedded in this uh, Spark T three. Um, yeah, this, uh, this somehow the, the story was like the you know the connection, uh, the high speed connection between the backplane was from Cray. This is what uh, I had one. Yeah. This was interesting story. So I was always always fascinated by. Was Eaton K a supercomputer? It was right, kind of. It was like a server. So we use it as a server for application servers, but you could call it supercomputer actually. Mm -hmm. And it looked beautiful. You, you saw a, an eating K? You saw an eating K? Yeah. I saw the, the, the Cray I saw. I think it was a YMP, a Cray YMP. So I don't know if it's the same model as the one you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But the, 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 the core CPUs were, were stored in some kind of glass cylinder with, so you could actually see them. Mm -hmm. And it was in a liquid nitrogen. So oh. minus 200 degrees. And just to keep them cool. <laughs> well, very cold and when when you 
were launching uh, computings on, on the CPUs because the CPU were heating so much, you could see small bubbles of nitrogen. Uh, so you, you knew that the, the CPU were working because you, you, you could see these, these bubbles. That's pretty cool. I never saw a cray. I only saw the eaten case several times. And what uh, the chassis was is beautiful. It was like it looked like uh, it's really a nice, nice machine from outside. So I always enjoyed you know to look at this. Yeah. So interesting. So what happens after your first computer? So what was your next step? So what was the next computer? Uh, the next step was no computer for like um, at least three to four years. Okay. Um, because I was working uh, and there was no computer and I didn't have the time anymore. Mm -hmm. After after the after high school, and then when I was back in uh, engineering school and uh, and uh, and math, then then there was there were computers again. Yeah, which uh, we mostly had the sun, sun machines. Oh, sun okay. Spark Ten, which was a beautiful machine. Oh my god, mm -hmm. I so much love this machine. Mm -hmm. uh, and then all, all the evolutions of the Sun Spark Ten, there were many. Mm -hmm. Also, also, uh, also, CMD machines like. Uh, there was uh, this machine in uh, near Paris, built by a Connection Machine. That was the name of the company, mm -hmm. and they 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 made a, a, a specific that that was a massively parallel computer called the CM5, mm -hmm. and it was just an amazing an amazing machine. CM5, CM5 for even even visually, it was a, a set of of like big cupboards, black with with a, a red. Uh, LEDs lights that, that were wow. flashing when the CPUs were working so you could see, see just like in Star Trek and these kind of movies mm -hmm. it was real and, and there were real computations made on this machine the industrial the design machine. for the machines back then was incredible so Ethan K was perfect I never saw the Cray but I assume it was also great but so Ethan K I can say perfect then there were the various um, workstations from Sun so the tower maybe yeah. it was the 10 tower because I, from time to time, I delivered courses at Sun Microsystems, and I had the the tower workstations, uh, the Spark towers, and um, yeah. then what I was really I wanted to have one, but uh, this was the Silicon Graphics, the Octane machines, oh. you know, also beautiful design, and I never heard about the CM5, but I I think it's the similar uh, territory, and the one from Steve Jobs, uh, how it's called before he went to Sun, there was like you know it, they were like uh, also the, the the next cube. Next cube, exactly. The Pro mm -hmm. Next cube, yeah. Also, I saw one, and from outside, really nice. Yeah, and uh, because with Steve Jobs, you also worked very hard on the on the look and feel of uh, the window mm -hmm. manager, mm -hmm. and uh, what was called the Finder or something. I don't know. Mm -hmm. So, what you did with all the great machines back then? So, what you what you programmed? I was yeah, I was mostly uh, <clears throat> I was working in a in a math uh, research lab. Wow! I was a PhD student, and uh, we were mostly kind of testing the algorithms we were working on. Working on. Which algorithms? So just interested. What you did with the algorithms? We, we were working on uh, on image processing uh, algorithms. Mm -hmm. So different. There, there are different fields actually in image processing. There are people who try to enhance the quality of images, like mm -hmm. deblurring them or this mm -hmm. kind of thing. And uh, but we were more in the in the. Uh, pattern matching, but in, in image processing sense, sense and the computer vision uh, part. Which now it's now it's your big time. Now it's your big time because <laughs> the the stable diffusion what it does, right? So this is the the, the entire trick that they blur and deblur the images actually from. And this is actually now your time. Yeah, you could, you could become yeah, the stable diffusion expert, and hopefully, 
put Java somewhere there, right? So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Why not? <coughs> I, I, are you interested now with you no know, the the image generation by by AI or is boring for you? It, it it was it was not we were not working on image generation but mostly on uh, image recognition. No, no, but back then you know uh, you you become expert of images and now there's the, you know the image generation by stable diffusion and Dali and stuff like that mm. and with your knowledge you can appreciate more what happens right now. So right, so this is was the question. What's your? I mm -hmm. I, I guess so. I, to be honest, I didn't watch much what uh, Dali and stable diffusion is doing. I, I tried to generate a few images with mm -hmm. it, and uh, I came across so many glitches. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is. Stuff. But and it's amazing that it works at all, and right? And the dog has a has a head of a horse. <laughs> mm -hmm. If you have, if he has only one head, then you're lucky. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he has like three tails. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> You should try with Java Duke. This is always nice, you know. What you get back, this oh. is not Duke at all. It is like crazy stuff. <coughs> mm -hmm. I'll give it a try. Mm -hmm. I'll give it a try. What, what, what I think, even with ChatGPT, I think that the the big thing with ChatGPT is that it's it's able to generate impressive sentences, even if the content is rubbish. Mm -hmm. It says it in such a beautiful way. It's, it, it writes it in such a beautiful way that. You're tempted to say, "Oh, this is this. This must be very nice. This must be so accurate." And then when you dig deeper, you see, like, "Oh my God!" Even the code that it generates. Every time I watch a talk and a conference and see, "Oh, look at this! This code has been generated by ChatGPT." Yes, okay. So there are at least three bugs in these fifty lines of code. Yeah, <laughs> or fifteen lines of code. <laughs> yeah, do you plan to fix them if you don't know the language? <laughs> exactly. Uh, this is actually, I, I was on an internal conference and I was asking now about my opinion about the AI and ML and machine learning and uh, how I see this. I don't know whether you remember, there was like um, 2003, 2006, a big, you know, movement to, out, uh, to offshore. Mm -hmm. And the dream of European managers was to write a spec, you know, and hand over to, a, to an external team and they will code it for you, Right. So what what yeah. I how I see the entire thing? Imagine uh, ChatGPT could read your mind, mind, right? So for two minutes, mm -hmm. and I say, I would like to have such a program, and it will generate the code for you. So if it comes back, it is mission impossible that the program will do whatever you expected, you know, because then you see, okay, now it it is what I thought, but now I have it. So I, I would like to have something different. Where I'm going with it is it it you you will get so much code. And without, you know, reviewing the code, it becomes unmaintainable in a second. So the only chance you will have that you will write so the specification has to be longer and longer because at the end of the day, ChatGPT is a code generator for me, right? So it, it there is a short specification and it generates a lot of code. Now the, now the question is how much information can you put in the short specification that it is correct? You know what I mean? And and mm -hmm. this is the problem with code generators that actually if you generate a lots of code from 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 information, you have to to understand the code or just completely generate the code. But if you have half generating and half understanding, it is a, a nightmare. But I think where ChatGPT is useful, if you already know the language well and it generates some code, you get maybe different ideas. You know, so sometimes I use ChatGPT yeah. and I say this was an interesting uh, idea. What I see here. Let's keep it this way, but I throw away fifty percent of the stuff. I'm not, I don't <laughs> like it. But sometimes there is a good idea, so it's actually a, a funny thing, you know, just to 
to learn more if you know something already. But it's a disaster. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't use, for instance, uh, ChatGPT to generate Python code because I have no idea about Python. I would I, if something happens, I, I cannot help you know except you know submit to ChatGPT and and ask again what is the problem because if it generates complex code, I have no idea what happens, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the problem is the, the the problem of confidence. Are you confident in the code generated? And every time I ask this question to someone who is presenting something about ChatGPT mm-hmm. and telling me how it's great at generating code and stuff, I say, okay, oh yes, I'm I'm very confident in the code generated. Then what what why do you generate code? Why don't you generate directly the the the, the jar or the exactly or the executable exactly file exactly the program? If, exactly. If you have a hundred percent confidence in the code generated, then why do you generate code in the first place just generate the executable and run it and that's it or assembly so, why jar right why jar on that machine code <coughs> yeah exactly exactly so I'm, I'm pretty sure that even the, 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 the people that are super in this kind of thing and think that that will explain you that it's great that you won't you won't need any developer in the world in, in like five years from now which is just a joke for me of course um, they're actually not not being very very honest with themselves because if, if they were, they wouldn't be showing code. They were just showing executables and uh, applications directly. Hey, make me an application that does that. Here are the executable. I'm going to run it and I'll see. Yeah, exactly. Yes, and, and I'll be 100% confident. And it, this doesn't happen. So it means that people are not confident in what they're generating. And that's no, it. it's uh, good to get you know, some conference talks. But uh, what interests me, yeah. all the AI talks at DevOps, they were actually not that popular, as I suppose. I think, you know, everything which is ChatGPT, whatever, would be the skyrocket. But Java developers are somehow more critical, I guess, because it was not like, you know, this would like everyone would like to see the AI. It's more maybe old old news already, right? In, yeah. in our... Okay, perfect. So... um. You try to have an image recognition algorithms, right? So you try to find things yeah. in. So it's more like classification problem. What you did, right? Or it's a classification, recognition, registration, this kind of thing. Cool. And you know, every 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 problem is actually specific. If if what you're trying to do is recognize, like faces of people in mm-hmm. uh, in security cameras in airports. Mm-hmm. It's not the same kind of problem as when you're trying to analyze aerial images with buildings and you want to count or validate the, the buildings that your, your satellite images are showing you. Mm-hmm. It's not the same kind of problem. It's not the same kind. Maybe you will have similar algorithms, but mm-hmm. they will just be adapted to the problem you want to solve mm-hmm. precisely just to, just to well, because the problems are different. I even, I even worked on the... It's funny because... I even worked on the astronomical images mm-hmm. to uh, you know, images of the sky, and people want to recognize a star, make sure that that mm-hmm. star on this image is at this place on that image. Okay. And uh, so it's a matter of matching matching images like that. So I also worked on this kind of uh, of algorithm. It was funny because we had a discussion in a in a conference back last summer. Mm-hmm. Uh, a, a guy showed up and uh, talked about this exact problem. And, uh, uh, at DevOps, so, right? Yeah, there was a guy I, with JavaFX. With, uh, no, it, was not, it was not at DevOps. It was at um, JCrete. Okay. At but at DevOps, there was a talk about uh, uh, star recognitions with JavaFX. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, very interesting talk, actually. And which programming language you used? Uh, back in the days, it was uh, mostly C code, mm-hmm. some pieces of assembly code. And uh, these, these uh, super parallel computers were, were programmed with their own language, mm-hmm. which was... A, a, a version of C that was adapted to the to the parallel computing. 
Mm-hmm. So it was mostly very low-level language. Uh, and you also did it? Uh, yeah. It's like incredible. Yes, so you are like, you know, like a rock star back then, right? Not oh, how yes. to call it. <laughs> yeah, of course. Right now, even more. But I didn't knew that this is your background. It's actually uh, interesting stuff you did. And, and you yeah. worked for Sun back then with all these Sun? Uh, no, I didn't. I, mm-hmm. I worked in a, I thought I worked in a research lab in, here in, in Paris. Mm-hmm. That still exists, by the way. And um, we, we had access to, to this wonderful machine. We, were, we actually owned one, which was called the Mass Power. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had access to, the, to this CM5. We didn't own it, mm-hmm. but we, uh, we had access to it and we, we were able to launch, uh, well, to write code on it and, uh, and use its computer. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you develop on Sun and compiled and yeah. it was submitted to the machines? Mm-hmm. Yeah. With Emacs well, VI, what was your, what was your uh, IDE back then? Or... <laughs> <laughs> you want to drag me to this old D- v- Vim versus Emacs debate? So I was using Emacs. Don't ask mm-hmm. me why, mm-hmm. because it was like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was, I mean, I was super productive and proficient with it, so I was happy with it. And then mm-hmm. I came across some people doing, oh, but Vim is so much better. And I was, I, I just, I just looked at them working with Vim, and they were, they were super productive and super efficient and super fast with it. But mm-hmm. it was kind of the same. Moving from one to the other was, yeah, well, okay. What I remember, I, as I got the first time Linux, this was at the beginning of Linux, I tried to learn Emacs and I couldn't, but I it wasn't even a programmer, right? So I started with everything. And, and with VI, I was able at least to save and overwrite. It was uh, somehow easier for beginners. This is my uh, why, why I stick a little bit with VI, but it was never, I was never good in VI. I was able, you know, to edit something, some basics and save it. This basically was. And then I used K-Edit and all the others, uh, visual editors, and but never, never, never text. Mm-hmm. And, and there, the, um, just no curious. Ve- visual editor at that time. The, the, every, everything was made in a... Not, not Sun Workshop. Sun, Sun Studio Workshop for C, they had specific, you know, IDEs, which uh, um, they, what I remember, what Sun did, they had also optimizers. For DC, they were C compilers. There was a big deal back then, and I thought you yeah. use you know the Sun Studio uh, Workshop uh, for C. A- another question: Was the syntax highlighting for Emacs, or was it customizable, or was black yeah. and white? Yeah. Uh, you, 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 if you, if you were lucky enough to work on a on a colored screen, <laughs> not all all screen were colored yeah. screen. Yeah. But if you were lucky enough to have that, you could have uh, yes. Uh, Syntactic coloring for any any language, by the way, there, there was support for all the languages of, of that time: C, Pascal, mm-hmm. Lisp, um, uh, Fortran. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. Even assembly language, you could have syntactic coloring for it. Mm-hmm. LaTeX. I, I use LaTeX a lot. Mm-hmm. Every any kind any piece of documentation you were writing back back in, the, in these days was was uh, written using LaTeX. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, PC, uh, PC, PC. PC was not a thing. It was before Windows for ninety five, which was, and the, everything on PC was complex. I mean, uh, yeah, the LaTeX was the only only software which is was bug free, right? Yeah, because of Knuth. The everything was was made on uh, on Unix, so it was Solaris. It, it, not even Solaris. This was before Solaris. That was still SunOS. Okay. SunOS, HPUX, AIX. And Linux slowly came in like 1993, 1994. Mm-hmm. I work with HPUX. 
an HPUX, yeah. their yeah. beautiful uh, desktop manager. It was the yeah. uh, was nice. CDE, CDE, with not the four buttons for the screens. So it was, and I had Mosaic browser back then. Was uh, really nice. Yeah. And um, yeah, and Sun came later, which I saw. But I started with this HP, which was uh, which are beautiful machines, actually. HP HP did beautiful workstation. Mm -hmm. I was lucky enough to work on one of them, mm -hmm. and it was just a super super mm -hmm. great machine. Uh, what? Because we're using we're using so much memory that that's an anecdote for, from those days. We 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 had to buy. We we had a lot of budgets in this lab, and we had to buy more memory for the machine. So we bought um, a memory device with mm -hmm. 512 megabytes of memory on it mm -hmm. and it cost the price of a flat in paris at that time we bought it for several hundred thousand francs because there was no euros mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. that that was the price of a flat <laughs> yeah i know because uh this windows 95 the first one had eight megs and this was 1995 yeah. and even 16 megs ram was already several hundred euros. It was very expensive, and 512 was not possible on Windows back then. I mean, this was technically not possible. I think no. 32 megs, right, was the most you could put on it, and then you need six. I think 16 or on the motherboard. Mm -hmm. the, the limitation with the motherboard it was not even the, the OS itself. Well, there was probably a limitation with the OS, mm -hmm. but the real limitation with the motherboard. Yeah, the OS was 16 bit. Yeah, this was the problem. I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. Okay, and so that what you did, you spent time with image recognition and had your beautiful machines. So why you quit the research labs then? Uh, I quit the research lab because I was done with my uh, PhD. I become I became a doctor. Mm -hmm. in uh, uh, okay, what, what is the title of your of your PhD? The title of my PhD. Uh, so I need to translate it in, in English. Yes, it's, please. It's a French title, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it was uh, image. Uh, come on, reconnaissance. Uh, how could I translate that? My God. We have to ask ChatGPT now. It, it, it was a multi-resolution uh, image recognition, basically. Okay. The, the, the subject of my PhD was to take uh, aerial images, not mm -hmm. satellite, but taken from plane, mm -hmm. planes, like, like big images. Even if the, if the nowadays standards, these images were more than 10,000 pixels by 10,000 pixels. Mm-hmm. So you can imagine to load a, such an image on a machine that has <laughs> gloriously several megabytes of memory. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, to process to process this kind of image in real time to recognize specific buildings on them. So you look mm -hmm. you you have a small image with the with the picture of the building that you that you're looking for. Mm -hmm. You have these big images and you have like hundreds of buildings on it, if not thousands, and you want to to spot this building very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, in, in a matter uh, and on, on, with these parallel machines it was actually possible to, to spot this, these buildings in, in a matter of a millisecond millisecond it's just amazing yeah. okay yeah. you use neural networks for it or no it was just brute force no. Or, mm -hmm. no no neural networks neural networks were not um, were, there was too, too much too many computations to do, to do mm -hmm. that. The, the idea was to was to uh, Use because these images was, was stored on the hard drive in compressed forms, so there, there was this. Uh, it was the beginning of the JPEG uh, standard, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but there was other algorithms based on a, a, a special transform. The, the the JPEG algorithm is based on a transform which is called the cosine transform, mm -hmm. and there was other other transforms 
uh, especially one called the Wavelet Transforms, mm -hmm. which is used in JPEG 2000, but I don't think anybody is using J JPEG 2000. Mm -hmm. Uh, so these images were compressed using this algorithm, which is super, super efficient, much more efficient than JPEG. I have to laugh. Sorry. You know, you know, you know, you know why? Because um, in my study, uh, we could pick, you know, how to call it, an additional topic, and there were like uh, three topics, and one topic was crazy, like airplanes. And I said, okay, this is cool, but I would like spend time with software engineering. And one topic was multimedia, and I said, this is cool, you know, because multimedia, I can just relax a bit, and maybe we can draw something or whatever. And the multimedia topic was exactly what you said, what, you know, all, you know, how JPEGs works, all the wavelets, cosine transformation, what you said, lots of math. <laughs> Absolutely, no, the entire, the entire year, there was no image. It was just math and, and transformations and the others, you know, Walk, you know, to the to the airport and uh, took a look at the airplanes. I always spend, you know, the entire entire year with months. So this cosine transformation, I remember we did also this MP3, how it works behind the scenes. It was actually interesting, but completely unexpected. Yeah. So for me, I wanted actually to do something different, right? So don't pick multimedia, and if you if you study computer science, this is this is just a good advice, I think. Well, yes, but it's still interesting because yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, working. You, yeah. You, you know, you know what you can do with them. So the, mm -hmm. the idea is that this image was stored in a compressed form, mm -hmm. and the idea is to do image recognition on it without mm -hmm. having to recreate it using mm -hmm. directly the compressed form directly. So this is this is what I did, and there was no way neural networks could uh, could handle that. Actually. So so you could look at the compressed form and use the recognition on the compressed form. Yeah. It's, oh, it's almost like a hash, right? Of the compressed compressed form uh, is almost like encryption, <coughs> almost. So, so it it was a specific um, compression algorithms uh, developed back in the day, which was uh, actually based on the on the wavelet transform and mm -hmm. the storage of uh, edges of the images. Mm -hmm. And once you have the edges, because the edges were specifically stored in a compressed form, you could mm -hmm. use these edges to do the recognition. And because it was a multi multi scale multi resolution uh, compression you had uh, from a very coarse resolution to very fine ones. So you could just select portions of the images and go down to the, to the finest resolution uh, to, 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 find, uh, to find what you what you Almost see. like SVG, almost, right? So Kind of. Mm -hmm. yeah. And you ever thought about porting it to Java or do something for fun right now with Java and Java image right now? Or? Oh, I, 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 th I think it would be fairly easy to port it to Java because mm -hmm. the algorithm in itself was not very complex. Mm -hmm. What was complex and what was uh, costly actually is, is that these images were very big. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, and so the, these were mostly, once the algorithm was, was set up, it mm -hmm. was port it and, and run it in real time, like, mm -hmm. like uh, having a result in a, in a matter of milliseconds, mm -hmm. was mostly... Uh, a problem of uh, memory usage and, and this kind of thing, and also uh, speeding up of algorithm because when you, um, in the end, you're just working with binary images, mm -hmm. uh, which are storing the edges of the buildings you're looking for. Th this is this is why uh, I, I was telling you about recognizing recognizing faces and recognizing buildings yeah. are two different kind of problem because a building is basically a geometric. Stuff yeah. right, you have squares, <laughs> rectangles, triangles, this kind of thing. So, if you're looking at this kind of thing, it will it, it may work very efficiently. A face is usually not apart, apart from 
for faces painted by Picasso or this kind of people. Yeah. Uh, a face is not just a set of squares and rectangles. Yeah, you're right. It w the compression wouldn't work, right? Because there's too many edges. It, it, yeah, exactly. It, so edge-based algorithm will not work on compressing faces. Then if I were a secret agency, I would I would create a building which is very organic without sharp edges, and then you couldn't recognize me, right? But if it's the only building like that in, in the US, ah. probably, probably it would yeah, be. Yeah, good point. It's even easier to out, <laughs> even easier, no, to recognize. Uh huh. These images are very blurry, so the edges are not very accurate. So okay. Even if, uh, if it's not exactly a square. So, what you did with your knowledge of your PhD after after the after the PhD? Uh, so I uh, I started working uh, at the university uh, in Paris, mm -hmm. giving lectures and stuff. I was recruited actually as an assistant professor in nineteen cool. ninety four, five, six. I can't remember. Oh, it's as Java happened actually. Yeah, exactly. And uh, because you know when you when you build. When you write code and you write more and more complex applications, at some point you're just tired of just writing C on assembly code. You need some kind of higher level language mm -hmm. to mm -hmm. merge all your pieces of components together. Mm -hmm. And th this was exactly the time when uh, Java was released. Mm -hmm. And Java had many promises. Uh, first, it's it's simpler than C++, and that was very good news for me because. I didn't really felt like deep diving in C++ and all the complexity of the language. And there was many, uh, there were many things that were available right out of the box, like multi-threading, uh, database access through JDBC that was there in the very first version of the language, uh, graphical user interface building using, uh, it was even before Swing, because Swing was Java 2. Are you sure that JDBC didn't come with JDK 1.1? Yes, it did. It was JDBC was in the very first version of Java. One so oh, okay. If you if you if mm -hmm. you if you are one oh or one I can't remember exactly, but it was it was there very very early in the mm -hmm. yeah, exactly very early. But I think JDBC came one yeah. one and one oh was no JDBC, but because I waited for the JDBC, yeah, cool. J JDBC and then they were yes, but I clearly remember that one in in one one there was the yeah JDBC yeah one one was uh, lots of uh, and interfaces were also came to one one i think they were not in one oh back then mm -hmm. and and you used uh, so and, and, and you were you were aware of 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 java from day one somehow or or i i started uh, the, the first time i downloaded because we had we, i was lucky enough to be in a research lab mm -hmm. and in research lab you had access to the this new thing mm -hmm. <laughs> at that time called the internet <laughs> So you could you could download stuff from the US, okay. <laughs> and this is what I did. So I I launched the download of, of uh, the the very early Java distribution when I left my uh, my lab uh, uh, in the night and the following day in the morning I had I had the download of it. Mm -hmm. Five megs roughly. Was mm -hmm. not that, that much. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> so so I had the distribution I, and I could start to play with it and it was working super well. I mean, especially on Stern Workstation where mm -hmm. everything was precisely organized so that you could you could make it work very easily. And I was just it was it was just C on steroids, super simple to use, super simple to assemble, Every, everything was working. Just, mm -hmm. just nice, and uh, you, you could, you could build simple graphical user interfaces with them to display mm -hmm. images and stuff. And it was just working out of the box. I was just amazed by that. Mm -hmm. And so I started working in Java in the very early days. And uh, very soon in the university I was in, there was a need for uh, people doing Java courses. 
And I was basically the only one able to do that. So, mm-hmm. so this is what I did. Okay. This is what I did, and I, I and I never stopped because because yes, this is. Ah, okay. So you spent the entire time at the university. So if we met at Java One, yeah. you were you were as a professor. Yeah. Ah, I didn't knew that. I, I thought you work. I, I I always knew. I, we had always a chat, but I had no idea what you are doing. I, I I thought you know you're working for, for, as a consultant or something. But um, yeah. Yes, also I also did that. I also did the consultancy and training. Okay. Uh, mostly in Java because this is where the business is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and what you, what you do did as consultant uh, uh, enterprise backend or what or what what's yeah. your okay enterprise backend um, glassfish as well and stuff yeah, like most, this mostly this kind of thing ah so, okay so this is how how we met or or how I found uh, maybe you because I also did a uh, lots of glassfish and Java and and stuff like yeah. that and that okay this well, is yes. mm-hmm. I remember you you came to the Paris Jack several times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You you invited me at Java One, so we had the first contact. Like sure, and uh, and then uh, yeah, I was in Paris. Um, exactly, it was nice. And um, and you never worked for Sun. I never worked for Sun. Uh, no, I never worked for Sun. Okay. I, uh, they they had offices in Paris, mm-hmm. in the Vélizy to be precise. And mm-hmm. I've I've been there one or one or twice, mostly to um, to attend Java. Conferences, communication, mm-hmm. Java, Java um, events, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, one, uh, once or twice, something like that. But I never worked for them. Okay, cool. But but um, and as consultant, you were a freelancer or what? What you did? Yeah. Ah, okay. So do we are very similar? But I'm not a professor, but I'm also freelancing <laughs> consultant. So um, similar, similar, similar areas. Uh-huh. Um, okay, and and what happened then? Because at one point of time, you started to work for Oracle, right? Yeah, but well, uh, but uh, three years ago, I think it was during COVID, right after, after COVID. Okay. Uh, Sun contacted uh, Sun Oracle contacted me mm-hmm. and uh, told me that they had an open an open position to to talk about Java on the on YouTube, social networks, in conferences and stuff. And I, th- well, I was thinking to myself, yeah, what, what about well, I'll give it a try? And uh, mm-hmm. so they they hired me. So I just paused my uh, university activity. It's on it's on hold, I would say. Okay. Uh, someone else is taking care of the, my students and stuff, mm-hmm. who are not who are not my students anymore, by the way, because they you know, got their degrees and I hope they're working <laughs> in companies, <laughs> <laughs> have fun <laughs> and make good money with it. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, and yes, this is, this is what I did. I started. When was that? I started two years ago and a half, or three years ago and a half. Mm-hmm. I can't, can't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. Two years ago. Because I was surprised, I found you on the YouTube's uh, for Oracle, and I always enjoyed yeah. your—I uh, don't know what—I don't know what, how to call it. It's not a screencast because you always had a coffee in a coffee bar, yeah, like the coffee cast it's or whatever. The, 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 you could call that a coffee cast. That's fine. Uh-huh. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, and I, I really enjoyed it because it—it it, it was uh, I, I just watched all your you know videos with the with the coffee because I enjoyed you know your style. Like, this is really nice what you are doing. Yeah. And, um, thank you. Yeah. And, uh, and then I also, f- um, uh, attended your talk at DevOps and it was uh, about several things, but I was surprised about the depth about your talks because you talk exactly about the CMD processors and also, okay, this is now your background yeah. uh, uh, about vector computing, ve- vectors, Java vectors. This was, I think, the, the talk. The, the vector API. The vector API, right. Mm. And, um, exactly. So, um, what I'm wondering, because um, back maybe to to uh, to AI and machine learning, and maybe you are uh, the the best person to to talk because you have the background knowledge. 
is that uh, Python and programming languages and Java, right? So my impression is right now, I had a chat with several AI people and Python people, and the scientists in the Python world, they uh, don't care about testing pipelines and nothing. They, they just uh, had a several, uh, this is my, my personal observation right now. This was the questions at conferences and I got the answer. So maybe I was... Uh, no echo chamber problem, but uh, they said, um, for instance, like, why are you using Python? So, uh, and then the answer was because I don't care a lot about data structures. I have to make it work first. So we have some experiments. There are the Jupyter notebooks, and we get you know the results, and then we have the results. And then I ask, okay, but then we have the application, and you know how to run your application then? Because I mean, I have to talk to your stuff somehow. You know, is your stuff concurrent or not? Or my, how how to integrate now your your stuff? And there was no answers basically. And and I and I thought so. This is a, in, crazy because the scientists and, and the machine learning people they they building something which works on their machines, and uh, and this basically it right. And then we try somehow to make it work on a larger machine. But I don't. This is very early process. I would say you know the entire environment. And I wondered what maybe will happen or should happen is that in one point of time Java will kick in because uh, in Java side we have less scientists, but we know how to run the stuff, right? And Java is also very energy efficient and 35 times more actually energy efficient than Python. And um, it will be interesting times, you know, to integrate the work of the scientists from the Python world with Java, right? Probably, but um, I'm not surprised by, twi- by, by what you say because it's not, when, you say, when you're a scientist, your goal is not to, to build applications and to run applications. That, mm-hmm. That's the work of other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but what you need to do is to to prove that 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 the algorithm you set up yeah uh, is is actually doing its job and mm-hmm. it's actually producing uh, good results mm-hmm. or, or good enough to be used in applications. And once yeah. you've done that, you you write your paper, you present your stuff, you you push it to the public, and other people, maybe startups or what whatnot, take it and. Uh, and are just making a product out of it. Yeah, sure, but it's, but in not, a, it's not it's not it's not your concern anymore. No, but if you if you are in a company, so from enterprise, right? So and yeah. um and you have let's say a model, even a model, and you download the models from somewhere. Now, at the end of the day, it is a computer program or application, you know, which has to be called and it does something. So the first question I'm asking myself is how many parallel calculations such model can accept you know for instance there are interesting questions and uh and uh, i'm i'm really inter- because it's not a problem to call you know ChatGPT api i mean this is boring but uh, what will also happen i guess you will get models you know on premise because there are some you know some algorithm which are interesting for companies and this would be really interesting part how to call the stuff and then maybe you know the java vector api project panama and stuff like that will be uh, or babylon will be very interesting you know how to integrate with boring java code you know the work of ai right so or the result of a scientist let's say mm-hmm. the i'm i'm not sure I'm the best person to, mm-hmm. to answer this kind of question because the the real question is where is your model what's called the model is the all this neural mm-hmm. network stuff that is that is running somewhere on the cloud mm-hmm. that is handling these massive amounts of data uh, why are you going to why are you going to run that on, on what kind of device and exactly. do you have the the manpower to rewrite everything mm-hmm. 
to rewrite the model with your own language and stuff. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do if you if you if you're a company big or small and you want to integrate this kind of stuff in your in your system? What are you going to do? You are going to target the right people, try to hire them, mm -hmm. integrate them in your teams, and then, okay, now you do the same for us. But mm -hmm. these people, they are going to use the language they know. Okay, so you you are going to do that for us in Java. Oh, I'm 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 a Python programmer. I can't do that. Mm -hmm. Well, what are you going to do? You are going to to write some Python code in your application, and that's it. Mm -hmm. And if it's not Python, if it's something else, you are going to to use. It's just a matter of being pragmatic, I think. So nowadays, Python has has, has conquered this world. What are the reasons for that? We we can we can try to dig into that and understand that. Is it really interested, interesting to understand that? I'm not so sure, to be honest. <laughs> but the fact is, people are using that. Now, if you have a, 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 a system, software system, several millions lines of code, and you want to, to, to interface it with this, this kind of code, which is written in Python, you need to have a bridge between both worlds. Exactly. And indeed, Panama, Panama is, is, is giving, giving you, or will give you in the next few months or years, a right technical answer to do that. Mm -hmm. If you want to speed up your, your 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 computations, maybe because you're in this kind of model, your computations are done on a cloud or cloud-based data structure and, and computing, and you're just pulling the results in your Java applications. So Java is good at that. You just keep that. But if you want to make it run faster, your 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 deep learning stuff faster, then you need to rewrite that with a faster languages, more efficient languages, and this kind of thing. So, so my understanding all, all the, is all, all, all this stuff. Yeah. My understanding is anyway that the Python is just a glue which calls no DC parts. This is what I understand, and uh, this is what uh, because you know the uh, the the low level machine learning libraries are written in C anyway, and and the the the, the Python is just a nice to have DSL which calls the parts. So if you know if Pan pa uh, Panama is working well, maybe there will be some Java project which call you know the C parts directly, yeah. and Java can become the DSL, and then it will be just easier to integrate in the in the in the eco ecosystem. Because you know, calling ChatGPT. You, 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 you still need to rewrite all this Python glue stuff in, in Java. Do you have the mind power, the manpower to do that? No Are idea. Just no able to do that. No Java well enough to write correct Java code to, to do that. If it's this, if it's not the case, it's it's a lost cause. Yeah, yeah. Look, sure. I'm just thinking. You know, uh, what what becomes. Is it a problem big enough, you know, that you say, okay, there's not a problem at all because we can run, I don't know, uh, Python or GraalVM, let's say, right? And then it's integrated. Yeah. So this is the integration or is it so painful that we have to know to... Because I think that some kind of, you know, AI-powered applications can be dominant, you know, in, uh, in, in, in at least in the next two years. And the entire, you know, pipeline CICD is also affected somehow because uh, we need, you know, versioning and testing, which is also... Everything is is a little bit more interesting or challenging, right? Yeah. But Java is good stuff. What happened? So I would say even you know the project Panama, which is uh, better GNI, right? Let's call it. Uh, it's yeah. great stuff which happens, and also the uh, how it's called. I think code reflection, right? So like reflection on 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 the Java source level. So I, I would say Java was I would even claim was never so innovative right, like right now. So lots of innovation happens right now, or oh, is yeah. it also. Your impression, right? Yes, absolutely. There is a big pipeline of new stuff that is coming up, and uh, that is super exciting. And, and now it comes to know. And the Panama is just one part of it. There are so many, so many things. And now it's a pace by pace. You know, more stuff is coming out right now, right? The, the, the big difference is that back in the days of Java 8, you had all the features in one go. It was mm -hmm. a big bang. The release mm -hmm. of Java 8 was a big bang. 
-huh. lambdas, streams, collectors, uh -huh. everything in one in, in one go. You, uh -huh. you had to digest yeah. everything in one go. It took three to four years uh -huh. <laughs> to do that. <laughs> so big. <laughs> and uh, but now with this uh, new release cadence, uh -huh. which is not new anymore because uh -huh. it has been there for several years. Uh -huh. uh, you, you have things one piece at a time. So pattern matching, for instance, is really one piece at a time. Uh -huh. uh, and, and everything around that is, is one piece at a time. Maybe yes. Loom was more like, like a big bang because yeah. you, you had virtual threads in one go and there was probably no other way to do it. But uh, my, my, my impression in Java is that the features happen once per time, but uh, they have you know, a large uh, vision in mind. And now we are almost break even. So now it comes more and more, which is synchronized and makes sense, right? We can use the record patterns in switch expressions, for instance, and this both features are synchronized and great things happen. So deconstruction, stuff like that. It was not, but it is only possible because we get multiple things at once. So this is the cool thing. We got small features, but if you look at all the features, you can combine the features and something larger happens, right? And and now it's yeah, the yeah. time where we see more and more things coming. But I also really... Uh, really impressed or waiting badly for string templates, actually, hopefully in Java 22, right? So um, because I always, you know, what I wanted to, to do is I wanted to um, to reboot JSPs, right? Because it's like, I would like to have just a, a Java server page uh, without, not without the scriptlets, just, you know, as a templating things. Corcus is cute, it's okay, but JSPs were actually good enough, but I would need servlets. And I thought, okay, Jasper, maybe, you know, pick from Tomcat, but string templates is actually the right answer. And, and string templates were really exciting because you could even, at build time or how to call it, at compile time, you could check, you know, JDBC, right? Metadata or whatever. So it is actually big times what happening then. And um, yeah, fun times. But if you think, we could have another, you know, meeting and just talk about Java 21 because now we know you, comp and, and now, yeah, I know what you are doing, right? So you are the absolute expert in CCMDs, craze, and great machines, and Java right now. And we can have a, just to you know, your point of view, you, the most exciting Java 21 features, and we have one episode just about 20, uh, Java 21, for instance, and Java 22 then, like as a preview. It would be okay. a really nice session with you. Uh, Java 21 is probably the the most exciting stuff because people are going to actually work with it because it's an LTS yeah. version, etc. And LTS, exactly. To say that. Yeah. I go now to companies. and will not be an LTS, so I'm not sure that people will yeah. actually adopt 21. What I'm doing right now, definitely adopt 21. I go to companies and say, look, yeah. we have to migrate to Java 21. Java 17 is no more secure. You know, this is old stuff, legacy. We have to do it and say, okay, okay, then you have to do Java 21. This is the, you know, the, <laughs> <laughs> the secret uh, secret weapon. Okay, where people can find you on the internet? What is your, you know, YouTube or, and your Twitter and whatever? Mm-hmm. Twitter, Twitter, Jose Pomar is my uh, Twitter handle. Mm -hmm. So if you just uh, Google for my name, you'll find it. Uh, YouTube, I, I publish quite a lot of stuff on YouTube on the Java channel. So youtube.com slash Java. Mm -hmm. And you get uh, the, this Jeb Cafe series you talked about. Ah, okay. And also, I, I, I also have another series of shorts, mm -hmm. uh, which is very nice. It's very funny to make shorts. I really love that. And I have a little more than 100 episodes. Must be 103 or four something. Mm -hmm. And there are two episodes a week. And uh, <coughs> and, uh, and that's it. And I'm also giving talks at conferences. So mm -hmm. sometimes conferences publish this on YouTube also. Yeah. And your talks are great. So I really like them. Uh, Thank you. Everything you did is uh, actually uh, really, really entertaining and good, also deep, So which I really appreciate. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you a lot. And I'll see you next time. I would really reinvite you back Absolutely. and had a really nice conversation about Java 21. So looking forward to it. Absolutely. Looking forward to it too. See you. Bye.